to episode 18 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener, we would really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching on YouTube, it would be a big-time help if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, so as of Mother's Day, Sunday, May 9th, 2021, the Toronto Maple Leafs are division champions for the first time in 21 years. Let's go. It's been a great season, and we are going to get into the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with the Leafs. But before we do that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How are you doing, buddy? Anthony Bruno, I'm doing well. As you mentioned, happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mothers out there. Little spunk in your intro. I think Bruno's feeling pretty good after a, a clinch division title. We've made it to episode 18. Those who listen know I like to give a shout out to a Maple Leafs player who wore the number that matches the episode number. 18, not uh, not the best number in Leafs history. The one that popped in my head immediately was Chad Kilger. Oh, and if you remember, Chad Kilger. Kilger. What and a if you're, throwback there. Yeah, if you remember game 7, 03 against the Ottawa Senators, before those two dumpster fire goals that Newendike scored, it was Kilger off a feed from Domi who opened the scoring. And interesting note about Chad Kilger. Remember when he was traded to Florida, how he, he didn't report. He just said, I'm done. And he's done playing hockey. And he is now a firefighter in Cornwall, Ontario. Is he really? He's a firefighter. I had Corn- no idea. Cornwall's like half an hour, 40 minutes from me. So little known facts. I mean, you learn every day in Leafland. And another 18, uh, tough guy, Kent Manderville, who uh, was part of go. that. Yeah, part of that 93 team. He came over from the Flames in the uh, Gilmore trade. So uh, that's your edition of Leafs Leafs history today on the uh, GFP podcast. The history of number 18. The glorified history of number 18 on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I I love it, Lepore. Usually, you know, I come on and I'm like, which player is he going to mention today? And, you know, you go like 16 and you're like, yeah, Darcy Tucker. And you go through some of the other numbers, right? And there's some obvious choices. I honestly had no idea who you were going to bring up today. So... Kilgore did jump out. It. it did jump out. It's weird how those things happen. Numbers like never escape you. It's odd. Awesome, man. All right. So let's let's get into the week that was. Give you guys a brief rundown of what happened here as we start things off. So the Leafs played three games this week. As we know, all against the Montreal Canadiens. So they started out the week on Monday at the Bell Center. Austin Matthews scored his league-leading 39th goal of the season, and things were going well until Philip Deneau tied the game at two with 52 seconds left in regulation, and it was a crazy overtime session. Matthews and Marner failed to get a shot off on a two-on-O, and John Tavares hit the post. And right after that, Cole Caulfield scored the OT winner for Montreal as they beat the Leafs 3-2. to It was Caulfield's second straight game with an OT winner, so... He's actually looked pretty good so far for the Montreal Canadiens. So good shout player. out to Cole Caulfield. He's been, it's been a great addition. Um, but then on Thursday, the Leafs at home this time, and they bounced back 
very nicely, absolutely lighting up Caden Primo. He allowed four goals in the first period. He got pulled. Jake Allen came in, and uh, it was it was just lights out after that. The Leafs beat the Habs five to two. Austin Matthews scored his league leading fortieth goal of the season in this game, forty and forty nine. So an incredible accomplishment for Matthews on Thursday night. And uh, another note about this game, Joe Thornton extended his point streak to seven games with an assist in this contest. So pretty cool to see Joe Thornton, who, you know, he got off to a good start this season then kind of cooled off and he's bounced back pretty nicely playing on that fourth line. And obviously he's been with Matthews and Marner recently since the Felino injury, but it's been nice to see Thornton kind of regain his form a little bit. And then the Leafs closed out the week Saturday night at home once again against the Habs with a 3-2 victory. They came back from 2-0 down to win the game and clinch their first division title since 1999-2000. Like I mentioned, their first division championship in 21 years. Jack Campbell, 21 saves in the victory. He's now 17-2-2 with a 2-11 goals against and a 9-23 save percentage. And the last thing I'll mention about this game, the Leafs ended their 10-game season series against the Habs with a 7-2-1 record, outscoring Montreal 34-25. So, Lepore, I mean, despite that overtime loss on Monday, it was pretty awesome week for the Leafs as they made a statement against the Habs. So, give me your thoughts, man. Yeah, five points out of six. Uh, you can't be upset at that. Uh, we would have liked to go for the perfect sweep. Uh, so listen to Leafs fans being greedy. We're going for uh, for batting a thousand, but uh, we'll take five out of six. Uh, with the individual details, we'll start with the first game. Uh, Riley scored on a screenshot early through a crowd. Galch in front causing havoc. I'm sure uh, he enjoyed to see uh, that one sail in at the uh, Le Centre, Centre Bell. Um, it was a solid period from uh, Jake Allen, actually. He stopped Marner on a breakaway, and uh, Campbell made some big saves as well. Uh, the, Montreal had some power plays. They were snapping it around, and I thought that uh, Campbell was pretty solid. Moving to the second period, it was to Foley, as we've said on this show. It seems like uh, every time you hear that siren go off at uh, the Bell Center, it's uh, to Foley celebrating a goal. It was a sick pass from Suzuki on that one. Like, just yeah, like, awesome drew, play. yeah, drew the player in, fed it across. I mean, it was all about the pass, and it was more than the shot. Campbell, absolutely no chance on that one. Um, soon after that, Campbell made a huge save on uh, Lekkonen on a two-on-one. What a save. Jack Campbell, again, plays like that, man. Like, keeping the team in games when they have a lead, keeping them, keeping them ahead. He's doing well, man. We can soon. We're going to start a podcast just about uh, Jack Hamill and what he's meant to the Toronto Maple Leafs he's this year. So good. Uh, but we, he was getting out Sean again. Like I said, Allen was good. Uh, stopped Willie on a breakaway. We got to look back, man. How many breakaways has Willie had this year that he hasn't scored? It's unbelievable, man. Yeah, and, and I feel it's... like you're right. Like Nylander has missed a ton of breakaways, but I think we can go down the list. Like you got Mikheyev and even Marner. Well, Mikheyev's a whole other thing. Oh, like Mikheyev is oh just, God. that guy is unbelievable. If he learned how to finish off a play, like, I mean, that dude would be like a 25 goal scorer. Yeah. Sleep. Someone tweeted the other day that if he was like an average AHL score, he'd have like 20 goals in the NHL, which is like <laughs> based on, ba- so based true. on like his speed and the space he creates for himself. Yeah, and his the explosiveness. He like he's, he's so, so quick. It's hilarious. Uh, just before the end of the period, it was Austin Matthews with the tip from the shot from the point. 
his body was going one way, stick was going another way, as Matthews likes to do, makes it uh, two to one. And moving on to the third period, again, Campbell, he made a huge save on Sherratt coming across. I think he actually got it with his blocker. Like Sherratt maybe waited a bit too long, but Campbell just flew across in that big blocker save. Unfortunately, though, Habs, they tied the game late. It was uh, two to one at that point. That tied the game at two. Empty net, bad goal to give up. Bad goal to give up. Um, whether it was the defenseman who lost track of the guy to the left of the net or Matthew should have taken the lane. The puck should never get in that position when you know what's coming. And I think Campbell would have liked that one back too. Like he had his pad down. He was against the post, but it found a way through. Ugly way to, uh, to allow the game to go into OT. And as you mentioned, what happened in OT, Tavares hits the post. That 2 on <laughs> you can laugh at it. And of course, referring to the two on no with Matthews and Marner, you can laugh at it as a Leafs fan this season because we've had so much good happen to us. But in seasons past, we would have been pretty fucking upset at a two on no in overtime that didn't result in a shot from our two best players. And it's funny because there was part of me that could see it happen. So I was yelling at the TV as they were coming down the ice to Marner, pass it earlier. Because I find what happens often when guys have, well, often, like how often does a two-on-0 happen? But I find what a player does sometimes is that they wait too long to make the pass. Like they just try to do that cross-crease shot goal thing. But what's smarter to do is to pass it a little earlier. So in Matthews, in this case, when he accepts the pass, he has the, the ability to slide it back to you. Because the, the goalie's in the net, he in his brain, he's like, hey, I'm flying to the other side of the net. I'm going to try to stop that shooter when the puck comes across. But if you pass it a little earlier, the goalie has to respect the pass. And then if that goes the other way, he's done. Or if Matthews has the empty net, he can fire it in. But you're giving that option. And there was, I think it was one of those cases where they had too much time. They overthought it. And, and, and it you could like, just see it coming, Lepore, because that would have been his 40th goal. And you just knew Marner wanted him to score. Yeah. Like, you, you knew Marner was not going to shoot. Yeah, it was, it was also like, so Matthews and Marner, like, we'll, we'll flip it around. Imagine how awkward it would have been if Matthews had the puck. Oh, because he, you know he, he wants to just shoot it. Went in and shot. <laughs> and should have Mitch get behind me in case there's a rebound. <laughs> yeah, or that, looking back, that's probably what they should have done. <laughs> yeah, get yeah, the yeah. puck to Matthews and get the hell out of the way. We'll send that memo to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs coaching staff to uh, practice next time. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, it was uh, the young kid Caulfield with the uh, great shot. I think he came right off the bench to beat uh, beat um, Campbell on the right side of the he's net. Got a hell of a shot. Eh? Yeah, he could, that kid can shoot the puck. Small. Eh? He's listed at 5'7". Yeah, listed. And, and to be that small and have like that much power and explosiveness in that shot. Yeah. And, you know, like we he, – he's small. And, like, listen, I know he's a first-round pick and, you know, he tore it up in the NCAA and all that. But you, yeah. you still had fears like, oh, you know what? Like this dude's 5'7". Like, I don't know. That's not small. a lot of guys – you know, yeah. not a lot of guys succeed. Obviously, we've seen, you know, great players in the past have been able to do it, even going back, looking at, like, Theo Fleury, right? But you always have that thought in the back of your head, like, is this going to translate to the NHL? But honestly, man, based on the way I've seen this kid shoot the puck and the few games that I've watched of him so far, looks pretty damn good. Yeah, like, I'm going to say it, like, and, like, we'll talk lots about the Canadians in this show, and it's, like, a broad NHL talk topic, and I'll talk about the Canadians. With these kids now, you can see it right away. Like you can watch three games and you know, if the kid's a player, 
even if they're not quite ready, you can see by their like tenacity, their confidence, like their shot, even if they're not scoring. Like Caulfield, you can tell right away. Suzuki on Montreal, you could tell right away. And then I'm going to say it like Hawk and Yemi. It's like, mm, you guys are reaching, man. And that's not to say he's not going to be like a solid or average NHL player. But, you know, he's not he's not going to carry a team. Like, he's not going to be a star player on a good team. Like, no, you, there's no you, you find out. You find out early. And we've talked about before where, like, people talk about their prospects on their teams and this and that. But, again, like, I'll say it not because I'm making it about the Leafs, just because, like, I'll point to the Leafs because they went through that process. Those kids were good right away. Matthews, Mariner, Nylander, they were good right away. Riley made made uh, the team right after his first camp. Like, you knew. Like And, again, not to all the, the kids that came to the Leafs were star players right away, but you could tell, like, okay, Matthews, Mariner, Willie are going to be really good. Hyman's a bit of a project. Like, it's clear. It's it's clear when these, these kids come in now, and it's a compliment to uh, the coaching they're getting at five years old and these college programs and these major junior programs – these kids are ready, ready. And you notice it right away if the kid's going to be a player or not. And back to Caulfield, he's a player. And it's, it's obvious. It's obvious to me anyway. No, no, it's so true, Lepore, because a lot of the times, you know, fan bases, they get mixed up and, and they have all these emotions about these players that their team drafts in the first round or early second round, and they get caught up in all the hype. And they think that, you know, that player they picked, you know, 21st overall is going to be a number one center on their team and lead them to the Stanley cup. But like you said, man, you know, almost immediately, especially whether a player is going to be a lead or not, or have an elite trajectory, I should say, right? Like Matthew steps on the ice game one. You're like, Holy shit. Well, that's a really simple example. Yeah, game one of Austin yeah, Matthews' career. This guy can play. But even like Cole Caulfield, right? Like he steps yeah. on the ice and you see him unleashing these shots. It's like, man, this dude is going to score 30 or 40 goals one day. Yeah, he's It looks around. like, right? Like he has that that ceiling. I don't know how quick he's going to do it, but you can tell like, okay, this guy's ready. And then and then there's other players. It's like you said, you look at Kotkaniemi and it's like, man, oh man. It's like, yeah, we're not saying that he's not going to be a good, solid, you know, top six forward and number two centerman but in terms of him being like a number one center one day yeah and i'm just not seeing it and you know even uh, you know i'll bring up another example on the leafs real quick timothy lilligren like and we've talked about this before you see sandine and you're like wow sandine is really good just the way he the plays that he makes the way he thinks the game he's so smooth and you look at lilligren and you're like okay he was also a first round pick but he's just not nearly as he's good so, and doesn't have so the ceiling raw. that yeah. Sandine has. Yeah. One time I will say I was wrong. I was at the Leafs Sens game in Ottawa. Um it was Shen's rookie year, Luke Shen's rookie year, and I was lucky enough to get tickets uh close to the glass right on the blue line. And watching I was watching Luke Shen and I was blown away. <laughs> I remember I was like, we got Scott Stevens. So you were like Pierre Maguire. Eh? Oh my God. I could not believe, I'm like, the Leafs have this guy. Like I went out and bought the jersey, this and that. Just so confident, looking around, distributing the puck, laying hits, defensively sound. Yeah, no, that, uh, that one back. Actually, you know, let me ask it, you this, Lepore. Sure. Is that the worst Michael Lepore jersey purchase of all time, would you say? As far as the Leafs go? Yeah, as far as Leafs, let's say. I have a Leafs kind of wall of shame. It, I have, well, I have a, the, the problem. You know what the problem is with my Luke Shen? This is really bad. This is really bad. We got a story here. Okay. It's, it's autographed 
and it's personalized, so I can't even sell it. Oh it's a, my it, goodness! It's a two Michael best wishes, Luke Shen. So that, that's what makes it even worse. I have a great. Someone bought me a Gustafson. Okay, that that's that's not. Yeah. Is that as bad as Luke Shen? I mean, Luke Shen just know. won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, but with Tampa. Luke Shen, yeah, I think Gustafson's worse because like Luke Shen, I think people would see it and be like, I know what you got it based on like the hype. Yeah. So I could see, and he was with the team for like Gustafson, like how did that happen? And that one, it was someone wanted a buddy of mine wanted at an event and he gave it to me. So that's a random one. I think that might be as bad as it gets though. Cause other ones, you know, like Kessel's the Van Reams Dykes, those guys. Those never are all it. solid. Yeah. It's all solid. Like, even like the bad years, like they're fine. So yeah. Kessel's ripping like 35, 40 goals. That, 900 points, jersey. 900 points the other night, yeah. man. Did you see the photo of Kessel holding the puck? Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> Phil. And it's like, you know, you go on Twitter and you see like, you see a highlight or you see like a, it's a comment or you see a photo and you're reading the replies in your brain, even before you see them, it's like, here come the hot dog jokes. Here come like the shots at Phil, but man, like even in Toronto, he never looked like that. Never. Like he's yeah, soft, he, man. He I just, love Phil. He doesn't give a shit. Anymore. No, he does not give a flying fuck. That yeah. dude just wants to start fishing and golfing. He's and hacking like, darts on the golf course, fucking yeah. eating club sandwiches, not giving drinking, not giving a flying fuck. What's going on right but, now? But that's but, what makes him awesome. No, yeah, Phil's the uh, Phil's the man. What a player. So though, goaltending, like I said, was a story in this game. I thought Campbell played well. I thought Jack, Jake Allen played really well. Where's this going, Bruno? Like, I mean, we can look at it from the side of the Canadians with Jake Allen or the side of Campbell with the Leafs because it's kind of similar situations. We have two teams who have goalies who make a lot more money than the goalies they're currently starting. And there's questions as to whether those goalies who make more money will be coming back. So what are our expectations on what goalies we're going to see in the playoffs and assuming these two teams play in the playoffs. And uh, is there any way back from it now? Like, is this even a discussion at this point? Yeah. The Montreal Canadians are in a really interesting spot right now, because obviously you have Carey price and we can talk for days about how great he is and all the amazing playoff moments. And yeah, I know he hasn't won a Stanley cup, but even go back to last season where he had, a pretty bad regular season for the most part, and then was phenomenal in the qualifying round against Pittsburgh and played well against Philadelphia. But now we have a situation where Price had another, you know, let's call it another bad season by his standards. He hasn't played since April 19th out with his concussion. The Habs have two games left on the schedule. And, you know, it looks like he's probably going to get into a game next week you know, over these last two games on the Habs schedule. But, man, it's like, I don't know what yeah. they're going to do right now because Jake Allen, listen, he's not having a great season, but statistically, he's having a better season than Carey Price, and he's the guy who's been playing consistently. Yeah, and, there's enough of a sample size. He's not just a backup. Yeah. yeah, there's enough of a sample size. We obviously know his track record in St. Louis. Like, he, he's a good goalie. He's a really, He's a really solid goalie, and I think... Now you're moving into the playoffs. Like, do you just, without Carey Price getting one more game, do you just start him game one if he's ready? Like, that's a tough spot, man. If he's yeah, not going to get any time to rev back up and get comfortable, they're in a really tough spot here. And it's, you know, the Leafs, you could say before, you know, Jack Campbell, you know, he had his, 
his massive, incredible start where he was like nine zero and one or whatever. Or sorry, it wasn't a ten straight wins for Jack Campbell. And then it obviously was, yeah. he, he cooled off, and you know and we all thought, uh oh, it's going to be Freddie's net again in the playoffs. But now Jack Campbell kind of you know turning things around and having an incredible season when you just look at the big picture. But for the Habs, they're in a tough spot here, man, because it's not like Jake Allen's like playing out of his mind. So yeah. I honestly, Lapore, I could. I could actually see them turning to Carey Price game one without even playing a single game. Really? I, I, I really can, just because it's Carey Price. Wow. Is that because, well, well, this is my question to that. Is that what you think should happen or what you think will happen? I don't think it should happen. I don't because I'd be concerned, like, this if this dude hasn't played in a game and you're dropping him into a first-round series against one of the best offensive teams in the NHL. On the road. On the road against the Leafs with Austin Matthews coming in, having one of the greatest goal-scoring seasons, you know, essentially we've ever seen, adjusted for era. And, man, you got to drop Price into a situation like that. That's asking a lot. So yeah. I think I think they probably should go with Jake Allen, but knowing Montreal and how that fan base feels about Carey Price and how Bergevin and the coaching staff probably feels about Carey Price and the locker room, how they feel about Carey Price when he's in the net. Honestly, man, I think if he's good to go game one, even though we haven't seen him since April 19th, I say, I think they say, screw it, Carey, it's your net. He's the guy. And and take us to the promised land, buddy. Okay, so, so then you think... I'll- <laughs> I'm trying to think of it from the perspective of the coaching staff in Bergevin. What's a worse look? Putting Price in the net and they lose terribly or keeping him out of the net and they lose terribly? And that's the thing, right? You keep him out of the net and you get pumped in like four or five games. I mean, Habs... I guess it can't really happen because if they're getting pumped, the other one's going to go, probably going to go away. Yeah, and that's a good You know what I'm getting at? You know what I'm getting at? Like, Yeah, but let's say... What's a worse look? Like, yeah, no, I think it's definitely a worse look if you if you lose, you know, a short series and Price is just sitting on the bench. Yeah. I think that's a terrible look. And especially I'm just thinking about that fan base, Lapore. Yeah. And listen, I know coaches and management, they say, you know, we don't think about the fans and we're here just trying to make the best decision possible for our hockey club and blah, blah, blah. But can you imagine? Montreal and that fan base, if Carey Price does not factor into this playoff series. Imagine the taste. Should Carey Price leave Montreal? Should he demand oh, a trade? Dude, it has Bergevin be, lost confidence in Carey Price? It would be absolutely <laughs> insane. Like, wh- yeah. what would you do if you're the Habs Lahore? If I, this how, okay, this is how I, I would as it stands now. It's funny because I think you can use a logical answer with both sides because from the, answer of hockey pure hockey i would go with allen simply because while price hasn't played and allen's been good enough like just to put anybody in any situation like that is bad i don't care who you are i don't care if you carry price or patrick wall like you haven't played but from a business side and you could justify this end too the guy makes over 10 million dollars so if there's anyone you can do it to, you could say, well, we didn't give this guy 10 million. We gave, we gave this guy $10 million because he is going to be our goalie no matter what. So I guess I'd, I'd, I'd leave it up to him. Carrie, are you ready? Okay, you're going in. Like, I know it sounds a little off, but we pay you what we pay you. Like, you got it if you want it. 
I mean, we're not paying, like, it's almost like the money's making the decision for you. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I just mean, well, this is why you did it. Right. Like it's, it's I don't know, man. Like I, I'd see it similar to like, like a quarterback getting injured. If you're paying a quarterback $40 million and he's ready to go coming off an injury. Well, I don't think you can really flip out if that quarterback doesn't play, play well. It's at the end of the day, you're paying him 30, $40 million to play well in that moment. You can't have him sitting on the bench, but I yeah. don't know. Like, I think it would be a different story if Jake Allen was like putting up Jack Campbell numbers right now. Like if he had like a, that would be fun. Like that would nine, be fun. Oh, that would be so much fun because the takes would just be flying left, right, and center. It would be, it would get real spicy, man. Because, or, or if they win, that'd be even, well, not fun oh, for us. But if, if Montreal went on a run with Jake Allen, that would be, imagine? that'd be a fun summer for Montreal. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I, I think that's the thing. It's like their numbers are still close enough that you can justify just turning back to price. And, I, and I'm just thinking about that locker room, like game one of the playoffs, Montreal has been, they have not been playing well over the last 20 games. And I'm sure I don't need to tell Habs fans that like this team has not been able to score consistently. It's, it's been a mess. Honestly, it really has the last 20 games, but you get carry price back for game one of the playoffs. And I just think mentally for that team, they're like, that's going to be, that's going to be a nice jolt for them. I think Yeah, heading into that. At the end of the day, it's like, they're going to be, and I mean, the Habs fans know this, they're going to be an underdog. So it's like, well, if we're going to crash and burn, if we crash and burn with the guy who's supposed to be our starting goalie and makes what he makes while well, we're crashing and burning this way. Right. So, and then even too, we talked about weirdness, like some weirdness will have to happen for Montreal to beat Toronto in a playoff series, like over seven games for Montreal to beat Toronto four times. That could trigger some weirdness. Carey Price starting for the first time in a while and playing the best he's played in a long while. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be takes either way, and it's going to be fun. And hopefully whatever decision they make is the wrong decision, or at least the media spins it that way. So, yeah, it'll be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Habs do, obviously, what the Leafs do and how they adjust their lineup with the injuries that they have going on. So we can't wait. We cannot wait for game one of the playoffs. I mean, do we really? I mean, we've kind of touched on it before. I don't, do we really have a dilemma here in Toronto? No, like, I I don't think we do anymore at this point, Lepore. And and I think, you know, after Campbell, you know, there was a stretch there. There was like about four games where he did not look good. Like, yeah, we were all very afraid. You know, he had like, what was it, like a 960 save percentage over like a four or five game stretch. And we thought, you know what? Maybe Anderson is is coming back into this net. And listen, I don't want to. I know he got lit up in the AHL. Like, I'll just pull up his numbers real quick here, Lapore. So he he played a half a game for the Marlies on May 6th. He allowed two goals on 14 shots and then played two nights later and allowed four goals on 38 shots. Okay. So, like, I don't want to totally get carried away with that and be like, oh, Anderson's terrible. But it, it's gone to the point now, Lapore, where Jack Campbell – and you just look at the numbers, 17, two and two with a 923 save percentage. I just think there's, there's no way that they're not putting him in the net game one. Yeah. 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 We're done. <laughs> I was trying to think of something. To, I was trying to think of something to say. And then it's just like, yeah, no, like we can't like yeah. what, their, what, their hands what are take, tied, right? Yeah. What take am I going to have here? But I, what I see it too. And I've mentioned this to people. I don't think I've, I've seen it on the podcast. I said it on the podcast. 
But the way I see it is similar to the Flurry and Murray situation a few years ago in Pittsburgh, where Murray took the spot from Flurry. People forget that. Um, and Murray got injured. And then not so bad for Pittsburgh. They go into the playoffs with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. And then it was game three against Ottawa in the conference finals where Fleury got pulled because like they were riding him. He was playing well. They were riding him. But by that point, Murray was healthy, but they just didn't want to mesh it up because Fleury was playing well. And then Murray went in at that point and history was written. The Penguins won the Stanley Cup. So I see, I see the Leafs approaching the situation like that. We're going to ride this guy. He's hot. It'd be ridiculous to walk away from a guy who's playing like this. But if things change directions in a hurry, Frederick Anderson's not a bad choice to go with either, right? Yeah, and, and that's what I was just going to say. Like, I feel a hell of a lot more comfortable having Anderson as the backup sitting on the bench in the playoffs, you know, rather than David Riddick or Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, we're done if it's one of those guys. Like, pack like it up, man, man, oh man, if one of those guys has to come in and, you know, let's say the Leafs, I don't know, go down 2-1 in the opening round heading into game four and you're like, Oh my Lord. Like, are they going to turn to like David Riddick in this? Yeah. Like, if they had to like turn to one of those guys, right. If they were in a pinch, they needed to change the momentum of the series and Campbell was shaky in the previous game. Like I'd much rather see Freddie Anderson step onto the ice than David Riddick. At yeah. That you point. know what I mean? It's like, okay, Freddie now, like that kind of like be our reaction, right? It wouldn't be the sky is falling. Okay. Now we're going to Freddie and He's shown he can be good. So there definitely were situations that a team could be in when that at the time starting goalie is getting taken out of the net. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. I think that that just about wraps up that conversation. Okay, let's get into the next game then. Uh, The Thursday night game. The Leafs return home and pump the Montreal Canadiens 5-2. to And uh, this was actually Sheldon Keefe's 100th game as head coach of the Leafs 61 wins in his first 100 games as head coach and like I mentioned off the top of the show the Leafs lit up Caden Primo in this game so Lepore uh run it you know run through this game for us well a lot happened early uh Galchenyuk he scored like 15 seconds into the game I said before he must have felt good scoring uh, or being in front of the net for Riley's goal in Montreal I'm sure actually potting one against the Canadians felt really good for him. So one nothing very early. And funny, we're just talking about the goaltending. And Campbell's done this time and time again this year. We look at this game, and the Leafs jumped out to a 4 nothing lead. They win the game uh, 5-2. You look at all the stats and the metrics this game, the shot count, attempts on net, and the Leafs completely dominated. So you got to think, ho-hum, yeah, easy win for the Leafs. But Gouch scores that goal, like I said, 15 seconds, in, 15 seconds in, right after that. Like, literally, they were announcing the Toronto goal on the intercom. And Campbell stops Anderson on a semi-breakaway. And soon after that, he stops Perry in close. So one of those go in, and this game's turned on its head. And we said it countless times on this show. It's not that Campbell made this crazy leg kick, incredible save to save the ass of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he was solid enough to keep them up by one and make the save. Hashtag make the save. We said that a lot on yeah, and for you, You've been talking about this all year, Lapore. Like, just make the damn save in those big moments. That's all it's we're huge, asking. Man. You don't it's have to huge, be the greatest man. goalie of all time. Just make those key saves, especially when you're playing behind a team as good as this 2021 Leafs team. 
Yeah. And and again, like hockey gods, we talked about that a lot on that on this show too. Soon after that, Tavares scores. Johnny Toronto is a rebound. Muzzin shot it from the sideboards. Tavares uh, swooped it in. Tavares is the last 20 games or so. He's about a point a game. So like that early thing about him slumping is gone. Like it's Tavares totally has been gone. completely on fire. Did you read that thing about his stick? No, I didn't catch that. Actually. Okay. And like, at first I kind of rolled my eyes thinking it was like some report, but apparently it's been a thing around the league. So one of, if not the biggest stick distributor to the NHL teams is CCM. And because of COVID and something with facilities, of course, like for these guys, like their stick is their weapon. It's their magic wand, like whatever cheesy term you want to use. And a lot of guys didn't have their sticks, like their curve, their lie, their weight. And apparently John Tavares did not have his stick for the first, like, I don't like it was like 10 or 20 or whatever games. And that so because the facilities wow. could not get. So he, so you're telling me he just got like his actual sticks. Yeah. Like when this hot streak started like, and like, people, like a month and a half ago, basically. exactly. And people I'm sure rolling the rising yeah, excuses, but I'm like, no, nah, if you've played hockey and you've played hockey at that level. And like, let's say you're regular, I use regular terms here. If you're a hundred flex, and someone gives you an 85 flex, that's different. Yeah, that's going to feel really weird. Or if you're like a P92 uh, curve and someone gives you like a P28 or like when we were kids, like the Lidstrom, Sackix, Gutslap, like those things, that's different, man. And I don't know what differences there were, and I'm sure they did their best to get him one that was as similar to his as possible. But, I mean, he did flip. Like the, it, it did, a light went off with, with his play, and we can see it in the results. So, and again, if you remember correctly, there was a lot of like, point black point blank scoring chances that he was missing there's like john like geez can you put one of these in and now it kind of makes sense like looking back well yeah like if he wasn't if his stick if his stick was at like a 90 percent rather than a usual 100 in terms of his comfort level with it yeah like that that could oh have and, been that, it. and that's the big thing right because these guys are so specific with their equipment and especially their sticks oh it's like madness. if you just throw someone off by even a little bit in terms of their comfort level like you said like and you saw it because John Tavares, man, the first like 20 or so games of the season, he was not the John Tavares that we've seen the last couple of seasons. Like he again, was looking real uncomfortable. And again, to do with the stick, there was a lot of like, how'd you miss that? There's a lot of those like, like semi-open net, he shoots it high or like into the goalie's pads. And it's like, what, John, like, what are you doing here? And then this comes out. And again, I'm sure people are rolling their eyes at this, but they had a list of players it happened to. And of course, him being the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's the big talking point. But interesting, interesting. Leave comments below if you're a, if you're a geek nerd. I know there's a lot of them out there. If yeah, you that's really that's a really cool story, Lapore. Yeah. So moving forward, it was uh, Engval, Engval making the difference in these games, getting contribution from uh, our fourth line centers lately. Uh, bad rebound from Primo on that one. Poor kid gets thrown to the wolves against uh, the mighty Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, not the best situation for the guy, but Engval makes it three nothing. And then it was uh, Mitch, Mitch Marner with uh, probably the most Mitchell Marner goal you'll ever see in your entire life. And by that, I mean, we were all screaming at our television saying, shoot, 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 because he waited far too long, but was still able to go around the goalie and, and tuck it in. They had to review it to see if it crossed the line, but it did in fact cross the line. So Leafs uh, give, uh, or sorry, the Leafs uh, leave the first period four nothing up they had 15 shots in on goal in that period and they hit two posts muzzin uh, hit a post and kerfoot hit a post and i mean it, you can't really ask for more than that 
And we've been saying quite often on the show throughout the season that we really wanted to see dominant performances because that's where you kind of get a question with a team when they're not really putting their foot down on an opponent. And the Leafs did. Like, that was a dominating, dominating first period. And what made things even better for the Leafs from a fan's perspective is that they didn't sit on it. So the second period starts, and the Leafs were out shooting the Habs 8-1 at a certain point in the second period. So here they are 15 shots on net up for nothing. And then they're out shooting the Habs in the second period, eight to one. So good stuff. Like again, nothing really to be negative about until uh, Sandine uh, turns the puck over in his own end. And we all love Rasmus Sandine. So we'll let him off the hook based on how much we love him and his age and his experience. Uh, bad turnover puck was fed over to uh, fan favorite Cole Caulfield. Kid, uh, kid likes to score against Toronto, apparently. So uh, maybe we'll we'll add that to the least uh, to the list of our demons. I hope over the next ten years, like there's not just going to be red lights going off oh, in my nightmares of Cole Caulfield snipes. Yeah, and he's got that big smile, and he loves to score. Eh? Like he's one of those oh, guys, a big it. smile, big celebration. So yeah, let's put an end to that in a hurry, Leafs. Uh, again, Campbell coming up big. He made a huge save. It was on a uh, Suzuki. So instead of uh, the Leafs going. Uh, going to the third, up two. They're up three, leading four to one. Lekkinen scored off a rebound to make it four two. So the nerves start to rise a little bit in Leafland. But then we get, oh, you know, this is going to be fine. Willie's on a breakaway. Oh, wait, the Toronto Maple Leafs don't score on breakaways. So it remained four two. Uh, Allen was in the net at that point, stopping Willie on the breakaway. But then Matthews, AM 34, with his 40th goal of the season. What a play by Marner. Entered the zone on the left side, cuts into his right, just lays it off perfectly to Matthews. What a play. Uh, very Matthews goal in the way of a hard wrist shot beating the goalie. So, like I said, that made it 5-2. to two. That's the way the game ended. Final shot count in that game was 35-21. And the Leafs, very, very dominating perform- performance. Money Puck had that game at uh, the Leafs winning at 78 percent of the time after 500 simulations so not too much negativity from that game man that was uh that was one of the better performances of the season i thought yeah and it's like you said laporte you know we've been waiting for the leafs to have more of those dominant wins where it's like right from the drop of the puck they just bring it to their opponent score a bunch of goals and then comfortably hang on for a win and don't let things get dicey and i know the montreal cut the lead to two And, you know, maybe you thought for a second, "Uh uh-oh, if Montreal scores the next goal, things are going to get a little scary here. But it it was nice to see. And, you know, especially considering Montreal was playing on the second night of a back-to-back. They had just gotten pumped 5-1 against the Ottawa Senators the night before. So that was a great statement win, I thought, from the Leafs, especially coming off that 3-2 overtime loss. Yeah. And just something to bring up about the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, we've discussed this on the last couple of shows, but if you go back to the Brendan Gallagher injury, okay, it happened 19 games ago. So the Habs have played 19 games since the Gallagher injury. They are 7-12-0 and have been outscored 64-39. So that, that team is just essentially getting doubled up over the last... 19 games wow so you know just and just seeing how they've been trending you know you're just waiting for a game like that for the Leafs to just just bring it to them 
and yeah. say, you know what, if we meet in the first round of the playoffs, like things are not going to be pretty, but yeah, man. I mean, there's not too much else you could say about that game. Like it was just a dominant win. Matthews obviously scoring his 40th goal, 40 and 49 was absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And Lapore, we've talked about Matthews so much this season. We all know the incredible season he's having. He's on like a, I believe it's a 66 goal pace now. He's yeah, 67. Like it, you know, it changes every game essentially, right? But he's essentially been on between like a 65 and 67 goal pace all season. And you, and you look at the amazing year that he's having. But then <laughs> look over Lapore at Connor fucking McDavid. Yeah. And you're just absolutely blown away. Like, man, my jaw is just on the floor. Every time I watch this guy play, Saturday night against Vancouver, hits the 100-point mark in 53 games. He has 31 points over his last 11 games. Yeah. Like, and there was one game, I think, yeah, he had zero against Calgary. When I said, if you remove that one game, like his average is just nuts. Like, he doesn't make it's sense It's just right absurd. Now. He's basically an alien at this point. Like I never thought, and you know, you go back and you look at some of the the recent seasons and I look at Nikita Kucherov the year he won the Hart Trophy. I believe he had 128 points in 82 games. Yeah. And you know, you look at even some of the other McDavid seasons, right? Where he led the league in scoring. I never thought we would see a player average, you know, Basically, what McDavid's doing right now, I believe he's at like 1.88 points per game. Yeah, he's just I, under two points per game. Like, I never lot, thought yeah. we'd see anyone touch, like, you know, those Lemieux seasons or even, I mean, no one's going to touch some of those Gretzky seasons. But, you know, you thought that McDavid maybe had like a 130, 140 point season in him. Well, the poor man, he's on pace for 155 points in 82 it's games. It's nuts, man. Like, give me like your you thoughts said, he's on, an alien. David, man. The again, those who know me well know I'm a big soccer fan, and some of the seasons that Messi and Ronaldo put up, like the term was alien, like these guys are complete aliens, and that's what he is. Like, it's kind of funny how think of it this way this kind of recognizes how good we all think and know he is. Everyone kind of knew he was going to do it last night, everyone knew, like, the guy needed four points, and in the intro to the game. It was kind of like a conclusion that like, yeah, he's going to do it tonight. And as a viewer, I was just waiting for it. And like, he's that good. He's that much of a threat. And the term commonly gets used. Oh, a term that commonly gets used is that player is a threat. Every time he's on the ice, he is a threat every single time he's on the ice. And he's the best offensive player we've seen in a long time. And let's enjoy it, man. I mean, it's almost kind of, (laughs) it's pretty incredible that we're getting two such historic seasons from two elite players in the same year. Like, I'd like to go back in history and see, like, has has anything like this ever really happened? Like, Matthews, like you mentioned before, it's the ninth best goal scoring season we've ever seen if you adjust by era. And now we've seen those numbers bounce around with uh, with McDavid, like depending on how far you go back, it's the second best or third best or whatever. But it's incredible, man. Like the, these two guys are ripping it up. And I almost feel kind of bad <laughs> for guys chasing them. Like you see guys like Mitch Marner having unbelievable seasons and no one's even noticing. Like I saw this out the other day that I think Marner's fourth overall in scoring and McDavid has more assists than him. 
it's just absurd. Like that, it's, that's it's, Wayne Gretzky stuff. Like right? that's yeah, those are those numbers. Like it's not the totality sometimes of these numbers. It's when you look at things like that to show that like how much better somebody is than everyone else. But we'll see what happens. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Edmonton Oilers media and fans look back at this season if it doesn't go well for them in the playoffs. Like, will they look back at it as an an unbelievably historical season for one of the best players ever and we're lucky enough to have him? Or will it be none of it mattered because we didn't do well in the playoffs? I mean, you'll have to ask them and ask them in, in a few weeks or they're hoping a few months, but it's going to be, it's going to be a good conversation for a Oilers fans. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting spot for the Edmonton Oilers. And you know what? It's man, just thinking about thinking about it because you have McDavid who's having one of the greatest point producing seasons we've ever seen. And we all know how great he is. He's the best player in the world. And they have Leon Dreisaitl. He just won the MVP last year, but you know, we've talked on this show countless times, especially me, Oilers fans. I think, you know, they want to do some very bad things to me at this point, <laughs> based on some of the things I've said about their team Yeah. or man, the numbers just don't lie. When you look at this team and their production at five on five without McDavid on the ice, it is not pretty. And this just isn't a very good team. And this is a team that should be, quite frankly, one of the Stanley Cup favorites this season. In a season like this, you have the best player on the planet, on your roster, playing like this. Like, this should be like a Stanley Cup or bust type season, right? Like, if this was happening with any other top team, it's like Stanley Cup or bust. But it's so interesting this season because you have this Oilers team. And I think Oilers fans deep down, I think they know that this team isn't really that good when you compare them. And listen, I don't want to say they suck and you know they're going to lose in the first round or anything like that. But when you compare them to Vegas and Colorado and Carolina and the Leafs and some of the teams that we all view as the Stanley cup contenders. I just don't think the Oilers are there. So it's like, what's a successful season for this team? Yes. They're all, we're all happy that McDavid has hundred points in 53 games and who knows how many points he's going to end up with. Like, I mean, it's going to be crazy to see what he does over these last few games. But like, if this team loses in the second round, Lapore, like are Oilers fans just okay with it? And they're like, oh, well, we, you know, we lost to Toronto in the second round. It's all good. We'll just get them next year. Yeah. So you're assuming it's Toronto in the second round. There you said it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, I don't know, man. I think, I think Oilers fans would be okay with that. I really do. I mean, if they get blown out by anyone, whether it would be at this point, say Toronto or Montreal, like no one wants to see their team get blown out. But, but I think if you told Oilers fans, and it's funny, it's so intriguing because if you look at it from the perspective of the standings, like there's not that much difference uh, between the Leafs and the Oilers. I mean, the Leafs have kind of broken away now, but for the most part, they're pretty neck and neck. But what's so interesting, I think, would be to ask those fan bases, what are your expectations on the season? And I think if you asked an Oilers fan, okay, you're going to win the first round, win the second round, and lose in the third round, to an elite team in six games, they would be totally okay with that. I think they would be totally okay with that. They would take that right now. Whereas I think on the other side with the Leafs, that's like an expectation. We would be disappointed. 
Like if the Leafs win the first two rounds and lose a tight series, no one's smiling. Like we'll be like, well, we expected our expectations were to win the first two rounds and we pushed the team a little in the third round. No. Like, I think, I think for the Leafs, it'd be one further. If you told us we we're going to lose in the final, it was like, it'd be like, yeah, we made the final. Like, I think we'd be pretty okay. Well, I, it's kind of funny. I think we'd be pretty okay with losing in the yeah, final. As if but, they make the Stanley Cup final, yeah, like, every few um, seasons. Yeah, but again, everyone knows what I mean by that. Like, I think that's where that's yeah, a point where sure. Leafs fans would be content. Like, or, like, happy, proud of their team, I guess is a good way to put it. Whereas for Oilers fans, let's say they beat they beat the Jets, and if they, they, they lose to the Leafs, I don't think they're that bothered. I, I really don't. And comment down below if you think the opposite, if you think this team should go all the way and you expect them to go all the way, like let us have it right where you, what your expectations are. But I just think based on the makeup of this team and where we kind of view them in terms of, you know, when Kenny Holland was brought in and it seems like they're doing different things with their lineup. I mean, the guy went on TV and said that it wasn't the time to make a deal at the deadline. So your GM just told you his expectations not to go all the way his minimum standard is not that is like his standards aren't that high. So that to me, that kind of is what it is, but Oilers fans, like, let us have it, man. I'd love, I'd love for Oilers fans to tell me like what their expectations are and what would make them happy. What, what would put a smile on their face when they look back at this season. And Laporte, you brought up a really good point and I don't think that got enough play definitely media, but like when you think about what Ken Holland said at the trade deadline, essentially, conceding that his team wasn't good enough this season. Like, just just think about that for a second. And it's what I just talked about a few minutes ago. Think about that. Connor McDavid is the best player in the world, having one of the greatest seasons we have ever seen. And Ken Holland sits there on deadline day and essentially says the team isn't good enough to win a Stanley Cup. And doing nothing would have been a big enough statement. Just doing nothing. Well, like, that that's what Dubas did last year. If I remember correctly, the deadline was the deadline the day after the whole like David Ayers game. It was, it was, it was like right around the same time. Yeah. Cause it was kind of like that thing of like, you guys don't deserve to be added to. Yeah. Cause it was well, late. I believe the David Ayers game, it was like the last week of February. It was like February 22nd or 23rd okay. or something like that. Okay. But yeah, like Dubist, I mean, he didn't have to say it out loud. He just kind of pointed and said, yeah, you guys don't deserve shit. I'm not giving up things for the future to make you guys better and ken holland like actually said it <laughs> like so yeah no i'm with you that didn't get enough play for sure i mean oh yeah it's just it's just so so fascinating to see how this season has has unfolded for edmonton and i'm sure there's going to be a lot more to talk about as we head into the playoffs here maybe yeah but before we get to more playoff talk lapore let's jump to the third game of the week sure Leafs have Saturday night. Montreal gets out to a two nothing lead, <laughs> and the Leafs. You're grinning for those listening. Bruno has a grin <laughs> on his face from ear to ear. A little giggle in the background. And and I think Habs fans are getting really excited, Lapore, because you know obviously the Leafs blew that game on Monday night, the Caulfield overtime winner game, and yep. then the Habs get out to a two nothing lead on Saturday night, the final meeting of the season between these two rivals and Habs fans are thinking, all right, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs have, have outplayed us this year, but we just, we're going to win this final game. We're going to head into the playoffs with confidence, but no, <laughs> no, not this time with the 2021 Leafs. They come back from two goals down for a three, two victory. 
So Lapore, take us through the game. Okay, so let's do it. Uh, as you mentioned, Bruno, it was uh, the Habs that got out to a 2 nothing lead in that game. It was Kulak. Actually, this was a pretty sick goal. Like, the guy walked the blue line, hesitated a bit, fired it on net, uh, beat Campbell. That was pretty much it for the uh, for the first period. It's pretty bad period altogether for the uh, for the neutral fan. Not a lot of scoring chances either way. And then it was Suzuki early in the second on a two on one. We mentioned how we like Suzuki on this show very often. Kept the puck. He beat uh, beat Campbell. It looked really bad. Like uh, the first look of it looked really bad on Campbell. But when you saw the replay from behind, the puck kind of came off uh, Suzuki's stick kind of weird. And if that in that split second made it more difficult to catch i mean i mean if we want to let campbell off the hook for that one maybe we will maybe we won't um but again as campbell does he was able to bounce back later in the game but before that happened it was engval engval again again fourth line centers for the toronto maple leafs it was like an nhl 94 goal in the way that he just like had the puck behind the net hesitated went all the way around slid it home and kind of like uh, the goal on campbell earlier i'm sure uh alan would have liked that one back and uh, Campbell, like I said, got his mojo back. It was a big save he made on Anderson. Anderson's been snake bitten, man. If you look at those numbers, like I think he had something like eight or nine goals in his first twelve games, but since then uh, hasn't been look hasn't looked too good. And a lot of Habs fans were laughing at everyone for like pointing to that contract when it was signed. But since then, man, Josh Anderson, he, he's not finding the net at all, and. Uh, I mean, if he wants to earn that payday and in Montreal, that pressure rains down. So he better find it in a hurry. And just something quickly to add in to all you Habs fans out there who talk about all the depth you have. Jason Spezza, who plays less than 11 minutes per game on the Leafs' fourth line, has six more points this season than Josh Anderson. There it is. <laughs> and that's Big all for Anthony Bruno. Now I'll sit back and let Lapore finish but i just yeah, had hot, to add that hot take and then let me take the abuse <laughs> yes. the abuse right bruno I, absolutely you know but i'm gonna keep rubbing it in actually so yeah i remember seeing a stat that uh max domi in columbus who has been considered a complete bust over there has the same amount of points as uh josh anderson I mean, all, I mean all players play in different situations but anyways uh let's move on so yeah anderson wasn't able to score and then a petrie hit a po- hit the post so uh I mean, inches, right? Inches. The Instead of the puck uh, going down in the net and the Habs being up 3 nothing, or sorry, being up 3-1, to one, it remains 2-1. to one. And soon after that, it was Willie, slick pass from JT. Skating towards the net, deflected it to him. Willie slides it in, ties the game at two. And then Mitch Marner doing his Austin Matthews impersonation, absolutely rifling a shot off the faceoff. Wow, and what a selly, too. He felt that one, man. He felt good sick. after that one. What a goal. Um, then right at Campbell, we keep coming back to this right after the goal and the same guy, Anderson had a scoring chance and Campbell was able to make a big, big save. So Leafs go into the third period up by one score three, two, uh, Allen stopped. Uh, there was a save Allen made. Like we compliment Allen a lot on this, on this show. He took uh, Matthews took a pass from Riley and Matthews blasted it. Like, full-on open in the slot, blasted it. And Allen was able to get his pad down. Like, what a save. Like, one of those ones that could happen so quickly, so I don't think it got, like, the attention it deserved, and the puck just came back the other way. But And they they ended up losing the game. So, again, like, narratives that narrative would have been created had the Habs won. But what a save. And uh, that's essentially it. Leafs uh, were able to hold on. The shots were uh, 26-23 in favor of the Leafs to finish it off. Like I said, slow first period. 
And again, the friends at the uh, the friends of ours at Money Puck had that game at a seventy percent win for the boys in blue after five hundred simulations. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a great way to close out the ten game season series against Montreal. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. Ten times they played. That's crazy. Unbelievable. A eh? ten games against Montreal this season. Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of getting sick of playing the same teams over and over, but you know what? When you when you think about it, that's pretty damn cool, playing yeah. the Habs 10 times in a season. But just to reiterate some of the stats I brought up, so the Leafs finish the season series against Montreal with a 7-2-1 record, outscoring Montreal 34-25. So at this point, I mean, there is absolutely no evidence you can point to to say that the Habs – have a chance in a playoff series against the Leafs at this point. Like, what are you pointing to to show me that the Habs at this point can stick with the Leafs in a seven-game series? Other than the fact that, yeah, Carey Price can get hot and the Habs can grind it out and play physical. I mean, that could happen in any playoff series. But, man, oh, man, to see those numbers and how the Leafs have handled Montreal this year, and it's just been... It's been dominant, man. And I know there's been some close games. There's been some overtime games mixed in. But the Leafs have shown that they're the superior team at this point. And honestly, if you're heading into this first-round matchup, this likely first-round matchup, I should say, I mean, the only reason you're saying the Habs are going to win the series at this point is if you basically hate the Leafs. Yeah, Bruno. So, But you mentioned before about the, uh, the Habs not having Gallagher. So they have a terrible record without Gallagher in the lineup. Now, is that something Habs fans can cling on to and say, you know what, we haven't had Gallagher? Or on the flip side, should they be nervous asking themselves, all it takes is an injury to Gallagher and we're in shambles? And here's the thing. Listen, Gallagher is a great five-on-five goal scorer. You go look from the moment Gallagher walked into the NHL, you look at you know, all the top goal scorers at five on five, even strength on Gallagher's right up there. He's tied with Crosby. His numbers like identical to Crosby five on five goals per 60. Yeah. Like he's really good at generating offense at five on five. But if you're going to sit there and tell me that Brendan Gallagher is the most important offensive player on your team. And the reason that your team isn't scoring as many goals as you would like right now, man, that is not a good look for the Montreal Canadiens. Like, to score, what was it? Is it 39? Let me just double-check my numbers here. They have scored 39 goals in 19 games without Brendan Gallagher this season. 39 goals. They're scoring essentially two goals a game without Brendan Gallagher. Mm. I mean, that's – that. And, and here's the thing, right? So Habs fans, they love to say – Gallagher's injured and Tatar's been out of the lineup and Price with his concussion. Look at the Leafs. Zach Hyman, who was like fifth on the team in scoring when he went down, they haven't missed a beat. Hyman's been out with a sprained MCL. Zach Bogosian is out for a month with his upper body injury. Obviously, Freddie Anderson has been out. The Leafs have been dealing with injuries as well. And you know, <laughs> I look back to last season, Lapore. And you know what? I brought up the fact that the and, and I'm sure you did as well. The Leafs had so many man games lost to injury to key players at key moments in oh, the season. Oh, it was forever. Riley, Marner, Tavares. It went forever. It McCabe was a disaster. Died. And you know, obviously the Leafs still made the playoffs. They lost in the qualifying round to Columbus. But I think a lot of Leaf fans 
understood like it was just such a weird season and you mix in COVID. So you have COVID, you have the injuries, you have the coaching change. And despite all that, the Leafs were a playoff team and they had the eighth best record in the NHL under Sheldon Keith, I believe. It was the sixth or the eighth best record. So they were a top 10 team under Sheldon Keith. But you look at this Montreal Canadiens team, I, I just don't think it's the same. You could tell me they have all these injuries and stuff, but if you're relying on Brendan Gallagher to be the heartbeat of your offense, that's just a team in my eyes that is not ready to compete with the big boys in the NHL. First of all, they're completely lacking talent down the middle. They do not have a number one center. They're lacking just offensive game-breaking talent in general in their forward group. So this team isn't ready. They got holes. They have some work to do. And Laporte, that's my take on the Montreal Canadiens. We mentioned the Oilers and what their expectations would be or what would put smiles on the faces of Oilers fans as far as the playoffs go. What would it be for the Montreal Canadiens? I think that's a fun topic. I think the Habs, a really good season for them is if they can beat the Leafs in the first round. (laughs) Fuck. I mean, and I I know Habs fans, you know, they're they're a lot like Leaf fans where they they have high expectations. I just don't, if you're a smart Montreal Canadiens fan, I just don't understand how you can look at this team right now and seriously believe in your heart and your mind that they actually have a legitimate chance not only to win the Canadian division and advance to the final four and even do some damage after that. I just don't see how you can logically look at the, at their team and how it's constructed right now and think that they're good enough. So I think in my mind, if you're a smart, rational Montreal Canadiens fan, if you beat the Leafs in the first round, I think that's a big time accomplishment. So you're saying there's no, like they lose in the first round in five or six games. There's, they're not really upset. It's just, that's fair expectation. Yeah. I think they point to the injuries and they say guys have been out of the lineup and price just came back from his concussion. And this team just didn't. Well, now you're making, you're saying they're going to make excuses is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Well, every fan base makes excuses, right? (laughs) I mean, you're never going to get away from that. We make excuses for the Leafs too. Yeah. We just finished talking about injuries. The Leafs had last year and you know, yeah. So I I think you're definitely going to see some of that, but yeah, with the Montreal Canadians, I think a real, real big, you know, win for them let's call it is if they can beat the leafs in a seven game playoff oh, series bruno be huge Br- bruno reverse it if the toronto maple leafs were a team fighting for their playoff lives and the montreal canadians had stanley cup legitimate stanley cup aspirations and we knocked them out in the first round oh, oh it would my, be jubilation oh my god leafland can you imagine oh my god and, and i think that's what a lot of habs fans are clinging on to right now like i think they know deep down like okay this is in our season but but, but if we can beat the Leafs in the first round and continue this streak of the Leafs losing in the first round and all the oh. jokes that come along with that, if we can actually pull that off, oh, th- those those fans are going to act like they won the Stanley Cup. They really yeah, it'll are. Be bad. It'll be bad. But uh, yeah, it'll be gross, but uh, it'll be bad. The thing, The thing that's great, I will say to people, and like I'm going to be completely honest here, Right now, being a Leafs fan kind of sucks because there's no fun. It's like you get relief. Like if the Leafs make the third round, it's relief. Like we talked about that. If you're a Habs fan right now, like this is great. 
Like think, what do you have to lose? You as a yeah, fan, no you go, pressure. You go into this as a fan. You watch it. If they lose, well, we weren't supposed to win. That team's at the top of the standings, and they're built to win now. And if you win, oh my God, it's glorious. So yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great spot to be in Habs fans. I'm telling you because the spot we're in right now, uh, as far as the Leafs go, as fans, is not fun. It's stressful and it is grueling, man. You, you these are the times as a fan where you lose sleep at night. When your team's just sneaking into the playoffs and there's no expectations or you're going through a rebuild, that's fun. That's fun. Right now, for the Leafs, no, man. A lot of stress, a lot of headaches, and a lot of lack of sleep, like I said. No, you absolutely nailed it, Lapore. I, I think you're speaking for all of, of Leafs Nation when you say those things. Like, it's all business this season, and if they don't, at the very least, advance to the Final Four, it is going to be a colossal disappointment. Yeah, man. But let's, let's shift over to the other likely first round playoff matchup this year, Lapore. And, you know, we touched on the Edmonton Oilers already earlier in the show, but, you know, if the season ended today and, you know, most likely this is probably going to be the first round matchup, it's going to be Oilers versus Jets. Yeah. And the Oilers have just been dummying this Jets team. They've won six in a row against Winnipeg. They're 7-2-0 in nine games against the Jets this year. Connor McDavid, obviously, is playing out of his mind. So, like, what are you expecting with a potential Oilers-Jets first-round matchup? Like, is it a wrap at this point? Because, you know, earlier in the season, we were singing the praises of Winnipeg. But is it has it now gone into a point where we're just like, all right, it's a wrap. Like, oh, Oilers yeah. are moving on around two. I think that they... <laughs> I think you have two extremes here. You have one team that's playing with a lot of confidence and feeling great. Like, I mean, let's face it, what the Oilers are going through with McDavid, that feeds through the whole team. Everyone's feeling great, riding high. It's momentum. And you have the Jets where it's just like, it's negative energy, man. And I mentioned on a previous show that that team had terrible body language and that you could show me their bench in the middle of a game, not tell me the score, and I tell you they were losing and that they weren't going to come back because they just look brutal. I just think right now, man, it does not look good for the Jets. And I think Edmonton's found themselves in a pretty good spot because we said, I think it was last week, that we would both want the Jets over the Habs. I think the Oilers and their fans feel the same way. Give us, give us the Jets right now, both in the way of the way that team has looked right now and to what you pointed to with regard to how the Oilers have played against them this year. Just, man, like to me, to me it's a slam dunk. Like, like I'll say, I'd be shocked. Again, we talked about the other series, anything is possible, but I would be absolutely shocked if the Winnipeg Jets in their current state and form right now beats Edmonton four to seven games. And I'm going to ask you this, Lepore, okay? And it's kind of like what we were talking about with the Leafs and the Habs. How disappointing would it be for Oilers fans oh. if they get clipped in this first round against the Jets? Like, Ehlers comes back from injury, obviously a huge part of that Jets team. So let's say he comes back, Hellebuck finds his form, and they clip Edmonton in round one. Like, how is that fan base thinking? Do you feel? Oh, that, yeah, that's bad. After, after this season with McDavid and all that. And, you know, it's not even about, like, losing in the first round. Like, we've talked about before, when it comes to losing in the first round, who you lose to, what the circumstances are. It wouldn't even be about, okay, the Jets beating the Oilers in the first round. Like, just that, that headline. It would be the circumstances of the McDavid season, the confidence they're going, they're going into the playoffs with, and the Jets right now. 
Like, I don't think it's possible to get an easier first. I can't believe I'm saying this. And this might, you know what? I hope it comes back at me because I'd love to see it from, from a neutral standpoint. But I don't, I can't think of more of a slam dunk in the first round just because I can't see the Jets beating anyone right now with the way they look. So it would be bad. It'd be really bad for the Oilers. And again, it's not about specifically the Jets beating the Oilers. It'd be with regard to what is happening right now with these two teams. It would be very, very disappointing for that organization and their fans. No, Lepore, I think you hit the nail on the head because I'm just looking through the standings right now, looking at the top four teams in each division. The Jets are playing the worst hockey right now of any playoff team. And I know we it wouldn't even about, shock me if it was in the entire league. Like, what are they like one and seven in their last eight or something? Yeah, they're two, they're two and eight over their last 10. There you go. Like it, it's been a mess for Winnipeg. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. Honestly, I think Edmonton, you really could say that they have the easiest first round matchup here. hundred percent Winnipeg. Like that is not a stretch whatsoever to, to state that at this point, just, just looking at how they've been trending just looking at the standings. I mean, we could even get into the advanced stats if we want, but like, man, Winnipeg does not look good right now. They're not playing with confidence. No Nikolai Ehlers. That is a rough spot to be in going up against Connor McDavid in the first round, a team that, especially over the last six games, they just have not been able to figure out. And I'll just look through the schedule. So like, just listen to these scores. So the last six games that Winnipeg and Edmonton have played, Edmonton won three to one. They won six to one, three nothing, four two, two to one, and three two. So a couple of close games in there, but also just like some dominant wins. So like, yeah, that that's a Jets team that I think is going into this first round matchup being like, how the hell are we going to stop Connor McDavid in this Oilers offense? Yeah, and he's going to be on a mission too, right? Like he's gonna he's gonna go in there hard. He wants his name in the paper for sure. Yeah, so that that's going to be very, very interesting to see. I mean, the Canadian division playoffs, regardless of how Winnipeg and Montreal are trending at the moment, it's going to be exciting Yeah, man. for all Canadian hockey fans. And I think I speak for everyone when I say, just start the damn playoffs. Yeah, like, we're there now. We're there now. I mean, we're, we're ready for this. But Lepore, before we wrap up the podcast here, um, just some final thoughts. So the Leafs have two games left on the schedule. They got the Senators on Wednesday night in Ottawa, and then they close out the season Friday night in Winnipeg. So mm. what are you looking forward to these last couple of games? What do you want to see as the Leafs gear up for the Stanley Cup playoffs? Has any word come out? I guess nothing's come out yet with regard to what they're going to do because they've clinched first place. Like, are all the guys going to play? Like, I guess, I'm sure Riddick's going to play. Like, maybe put Riddick in once. I mean, I guess it's up to the starters. Like, Campbell, does he want to play? Do the studs want to play? Okay, I'm sure Riddick's going to play at least once. So, I mean, just, I mean, what you're hoping for is just don't get hurt. You don't care about the results. I mean, even if they do lose with a full lineup, like, they're mentally checked out. Like, I'm sure people are, the uh, the fans of the other fan bases, or the fans of the other teams are going to be quick to point and laugh at us if we do lose. But, like, let's face it, like, this Maple Leafs team has clinched first place in the division. Even something like Matthews hitting his 40 goals. Like, I'm not saying he's going to these games completely checked out because a guy like that always wants to score. But it's not even like he's sitting on 39. You know, he really wants to get 40. So, we'll see if they put in a full lineup. And if they do, I mean... 
just don't get hurt <laughs> as simple as, as it is with that. And uh, yeah, just get through it. And like you said, let's start the playoffs now. Yeah, you said it, man. And I think Matthews hit 40 goals at the perfect time because I think if he heads into this final week with 39, oh, it's he's kind of playing. the same thing with McDavid, right? How you could just yeah. see the whole team on Saturday night, how happy they were for him. They knew how big that was, hitting that 100-point milestone in a season like this. And mm. I think it was the same thing for Matthews, right? Like the whole team, they knew what he what he was chasing here, right? And now that he's hit that 40-goal mark, I really do think that at least one of these games coming up this week, you're going to see... Matthew sit Marner, probably Tavares and Nylander. I think, I think Keith has a plan, especially considering yeah. now that they've clinched the division that at least one of these games, you're going to see a lot of guys rest and especially the star players. So for sure. And you nailed it, Lepore. at the end of the day, it's health right now. Just stay healthy. I don't want to see anything stupid. These last couple of games, I don't want to see, you know, some freak injury that changes the entire trajectory of, <laughs> of this Leafs playoff run. Like, I mean, Please, just please, no one get injured at this point. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for episode 18 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. And I'm just going to reiterate this one more time. It takes literally like 10 seconds at most of your time (laughs) We would appreciate this more than you could possibly imagine if you go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. And then, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 